Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning, and uh, if you're a regular here, it's great to see you, and if you're a guest with us, uh, we're glad to have you with us today. Thankful uh, that you're here, um, and you need to know we don't take two offerings every Sunday, because it's like, you know what, they're taking two offerings. Uh, it's at Christmas. Uh, we just say, hey, this is the one time a year where we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we think about our gift giving, we encourage people to include Jesus in their Christmas giving. And, um, and so if you're a guest with us, uh, you don't have to uh, participate in any of these. Uh, but if you would like to be a part of making a difference and providing clean water for people around the world, if you'd like to sponsor OBGYN doctors in Kenya to save uh, thousands of mothers' lives and babies' lives, uh, and if you'd like to be a part of blessing our community with this community park, then you're invited to participate, uh, but don't feel obligated. At the end of the service, we'll take that Christmas offering, and I hope those of you who are here have been praying about that, have been saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to give? How can I give generously? Um, and we'll talk more about that at the end. But today, um, just thankful to have you here. If you're online with us, uh, we are thankful that you're with us, and I would like you to know that you can participate in that Christmas offering online as well. Uh, and we hope, uh, is, even as you connect with us today in this service, uh, that you'll also participate in being a blessing to others. Um, we, we are so excited about what God's been doing in this anticipation series. And, and we've kind of been talking about all these things, hope and, and, and love and peace. And today we're going to be talking about joy. And as we have been going through this Advent uh, season and looking at hope, and looking at love, and looking at peace, and today looking at joy. Uh, we've been having videos uh, that are people from our congregation, or people that are connected to our congregation, um, that are sharing a portion of the devotion in their heart language, even as uh, they share uh, the devotion. And part of the reason that we're doing that is to remind us that Jesus came for everyone. Uh, and that's everyone who um, is uh, different than us. And, and so it's important for us to remember, even as we celebrate Christmas Eve uh, this year, that we're going to be celebrating, not just here in this church, but there are, are thousands of great church, uh, churches in our community. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of churches uh, in North America and, and you know, beyond that in the world, there's going to be gatherings under trees and there's going to be gatherings in secret in places where people can't worship in the open, where people are celebrating the coming of our Lord and Savior. And, and Jesus came for the whole world. And, and we just want us to, to understand that and be reminded of that. And uh, so it's been a blessing uh, to see uh, different people in our congregation share uh, these devotions uh, a, in a portion in their heart language. And so I want you uh, to turn your attention to the screen and hear today's uh, devotion. Então Maria disse, a minha alma anuncia a grandeza do Senhor. O meu espírito está alegre por causa de Deus, o meu Salvador, pois ele se lembrou de mim, a sua humilde serva. De agora em diante, todos vão me chamar de mulher abençoada, porque o Deus poderoso fez grandes coisas por mim. O seu nome é Santo. Lucas 1, 46, 49. When Jesus was born, there was an over-the-top amount of joy. The stories about Jesus' birth in Luke's Gospel are filled with golden threads of rejoicing and celebration. When Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth, baby John leaps for joy even while he's still in Elizabeth's womb. Mary bursts out in a song of joy and praise. 
The angels tell shepherds good news that brings them great joy, while a choir of angels glorified God in songs of praise. People who heard this good news responded by praising and glorifying God. Mary's song gave us a glimpse into the cause for so much joy. She rejoiced in the fact that God chose her, a humble nobody, to participate in his great plan for salvation. Mary glorifies God because he shows grace to the poor, weak, and desperate. She also rejoices at the inclusiveness of this salvation. Mary sings of God's salvation for the people of Israel. This is all of Abram's descendants and those who are blessed through him. That includes us. This salvation is not just for the select few. Instead, all nations will be blessed through Jesus and everyone is invited to participate in the celebration. Tenham sempre alegria. Unidos com o Senhor. Repito, tenham alegria. Sejam amáveis com todos. O Senhor virá logo. Filipenses 4:5. So today we focus on joy. And we focus on the joy that came not just to us, but to the whole world. Um, and, and as we do that as a way of introduction, uh, I want to just uh, share a little bit about a guy named Dan Gilbert. Uh, Dan Gilbert uh, was a Harvard psychologist, uh, did a lot of research on the way uh, people dealt with things and, and kind of uh, worked through certain situations. And he focused um, some of his research on two groups of people, uh, paraplegics and people who won the lottery. Uh, and what he did in some of this research was he looked at how happy were these people one year after losing the loss of their legs and one year after winning the lottery. And what he discovered um, was that both of these groups of people had an equal level of happiness in their life and, and what they would determine as, as being content in their life. And, and that just kind of shatters some of what we would think. We would think, oh man, you make a bunch of money in the lottery. Um, of course, you're going to be way more happy than someone who loses uh, the, the use of their legs. And what he discovered is that's just not the case. Um, that those circumstances didn't determine a level of happiness and joy in their life. Um, and then he also shares these three quotes. Uh, the first quote uh, is this, I am so much better off physically, financially, mentally, and emotionally, and in every other way. And the second quote is this, I, I don't have one minute regret. It was a glorious experience. And the third quote is this, I'm happier than I would have been with the Beatles. So let me tell you um, who these people are. The first one is a guy maybe you've heard of. Uh, his name was Jim Wright, and I think I've got a picture of him. Uh, Jim Wright was the chairman of the House of Representatives. At one point, he was one of the most powerful politicians uh, in Washington, D.C., until a young guy named Newt Gingrich came along and found that he had a shady book deal, and because of that, he had to uh, leave in disgrace and kind of lost everything. Uh, so he lost his money, he lost his prestige, he lost his power, he lost so many things, and yet the quote that he shares that Dan Gilbert points out is this, quote, I am so much better off physically, financially, mentally, and emotionally, and in every other way. The second guy is probably somebody you've never heard of. His name is Maurice Bickman. He was a minister 
who was wrongly imprisoned in the 50s, and he was released from prison at the age of 78 years old after spending 37 years in Angola State Penitentiary in Louisiana. All of that time, he was in solitary confinement 23 hours a day. Let me say that again. He was in prison for 37 years, wrongfully imprisoned for 37 years, and all of that time he was in solitary confinement, 23 hours a day. When he was finally exonerated because of DNA evidence and he was released, he said this, I don't have one minute regret. It was a glorious experience. He didn't say there was some nice guys and I got to spend two hours in the gym at least, you know, every day. He said it was a glorious experience. How in the world could that possibly be? How, how could someone have that kind of experience and, and say it was a glorious experience? And then the, the last quote is from a guy named Pete Best. Uh, Pete Best was the original drummer for the Beatles until they sent him away on an errand. And while he was gone, they picked up Ringo Starr um, and he no longer was the drummer uh, for the Beatles. And in 1994, with an interview with Pete Best, uh, he was still a drummer. He was a studio musician. And he said this, I am happier than I would have been with the Beatles. And so from these three guys, we can learn the secret of a joy-filled life. And if you're a note taker, you should write this down. This is really important. Number one, you should accrue as much wealth and power and prestige as you possibly can and then lose it all in a dramatic fashion. Number two, spend as much of your life in prison as possible, especially if you can be in solitary confinement. And number three, never ever join the Beatles. Um, and if you do these things, you too can have a joyful life. Now, that is not the point of this. Uh, the, the point of these guys is that our circumstances don't have to determine how we feel. Our circumstances don't have to determine our joy or our happiness. And so many times we base our joy on the circumstances that we're facing and the circumstances that we're dealing with at that moment. And so when, when we look at these three guys, we're reminded of what Galatians chapter 5 says. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. So, so Paul lists joy right after love, and the Bible tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's an attribute that flows out of our relationship with God, that when we're in relationship with God, we're connected to God, and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that joy is just one of these things that comes out of our life. And, and maybe one of the best ways for us to think about joy is to talk about what it's not. Because so many times we equate happiness and pleasure with joy. And although happiness and pleasure uh, have, have similar connections to joy, they are not the same thing. And so in other words, you can pursue happiness and you can pursue pleasure. Uh, for instance, uh, you can actually gain pleasure from a really good meal. How many of you have ever eaten a really good meal and just gained some pleasure? 
Oh, and you're, you've probably done that way too much in the last month, and there'll probably be more to come in the next week. Uh, but you can derive pleasure. You can derive some happiness from a great meal. You can go watch a good movie or read a well-written book, and you can have pleasure. Uh, you can uh, experience some happiness, but you can't pursue joy. You can pursue pleasure, and you can pursue happiness, and you can actually have that for a moment. You can encounter happiness and pleasure for a moment while you pursue it, but you can't pursue joy. Um, it's not something that you can find. It's not something that you can manufacture. Um, according to the Bible, it is a byproduct of a relationship with God. Um, this, this week, actually, someone who is really amazing and kind and generous gave Melanie and I um, some honey that um, was, you know, they didn't make this honey themselves, uh, but it is Rockledge honey. Uh, it is, you know, right here in this uh, community made. Um, and, and I was thinking about this honey, and in your notes, I even put this quote uh, because it's so true. Joy is kind of like honey. Um, you can encourage the development of honey, but you can't make it. Only bees can make it, right? Um, you, we don't know how to make honey. There is no factory in the world. There is, you know, we haven't learned how to create this. We can't do it. It is impossible for us to make honey. The only thing we can do is encourage bees to make honey. So if you want some honey, you can put some beehives in your backyard. You can do some things to encourage bees to make honey for you to harvest it, but you can't make it. Um, and in the same way, we, we can encourage the development of joy in our life by, by deepening our relationship with God. There, there are some things that we can do to cultivate the soil of our lives so that we can have a harvest of joy given to us by God. And we should do those things. It's kind of like putting beehives in your backyard. Um, but you just need to know you can't chase after joy. You can't pursue it. You can't buy it. You can't manufacture it. Uh, it is, uh, and we know this because you can have joy even in the midst of suffering. Uh, think about James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it nothing but joy when you face difficulties of any kind. I mean, we could just... How, how can you consider it nothing but joy when you have difficulties of, of any kind? Uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so... The, the problem is, is from early on in our lives, we're told that we're to be chasing after happiness. We're encouraged as a people to chase after happiness, that, that we need to do whatever we can do to be happy. And whatever you should do, you should avoid being uncomfortable. You should avoid difficult circumstances, that you should chase happiness and avoid difficulty and pain. This is the reason that um, you know, we, we chase after every kind of quick gimmicky thing to lose weight instead of just the like eat less and work out. And we're like, well, yeah, I know that works, but I'm not, obviously I'm not going to do that. So like, is there a pill I can take? You know I mean? Cause obviously I'm not going to eat less and work out more. You know what, where's the easy button? That's, we just want to pursue pleasure and joy and happiness. Um, and, and we want to, uh, avoid any kind of discomfort. And yet scripture tells us that sometimes in the midst of difficult circumstances, we can have joy, um, and it is given to us by the Lord. Even in our declaration of independence, we're told this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, life, liberty, and the pursuit 
of happiness. So as an American people, we're just kind of trained up that we're supposed to be chasing after happiness. We're supposed to be chasing after pleasure. And, and we believe that in doing that, we'll find joy. And yet the Bible says that we can only find joy in a relationship with the Lord. And the, the problem is, is the advertising industry, and this really comes into play at Christmas, the, the advertising industry is going to spend or has spent this year $250 billion to convince you that you can't be content and you can't be happy and you can't be joyful the way you have, right? Because um, everything about the advertising industry is to create in you discomfort. It's to create in you, oh, I need that, right? Um, I, don't know, I don't know if any of you are like this, but I'm perfectly happy until I go on Amazon and just start scrolling. And when I go on Amazon, I'm like, well, I need that, clearly. I mean, I didn't even know I needed that, but now I see that and I, have, I must have that. And, and that's just kind of the, the nature of the advertising industry. It spends all this money to tell us to drink that, don't drink that, wear these, don't wear those, drive this, don't drive that, shop here, don't shop there, and, and you need this or you won't be happy. And there's this newer, better version, by the way, and you don't just need one of the newer, better version, you need two of the newer, better version. And I, I love um, in the, the Willy Wonka movie, um, it, the whole movie really just helps us understand the craziness of this idea of more, 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 and never being content with what we have. Uh, the whole movie is really about that. Uh, but there's this one clip in the movie uh, that I absolutely love. Now, if you're a, a Willy Wonka fan, just know that I agree the first movie is better than the second movie. But in this particular clip, I like this, this clip from the second movie. So watch this clip. Squirrels. Yeah, squirrels. These squirrels are specially trained to get the nuts out of shells. Why use squirrels? Why not use impalumbas? Because only squirrels can get the whole walnut out almost every single time. You see how they tap each one with their little knuckles to make sure it's not bad? Oh, look, look. I think that one's got a bad nut. Daddy, I want a squirrel. Get me one of those squirrels. I want one. All right, pet. Daddy will get you a squirrel just as soon as he possibly can. But I don't want any old squirrel. I want a trained squirrel. Very well. Mr. Wonka, how much do you want for one of these squirrels? Name your price. But they're not for sale. She can't have one. I love, I love that moment. Oh, they're not for sale. She can't have one. Um, and I, I think this is, this is what we need to understand. Joy is not for sale. We, we need to be reminded of that most often at Christmas, that joy is not for sale. You, you can't purchase it. You can't chase after it. You can only do some things to cultivate your relationship with the Lord so that you can receive it as a gift from God that there are some ways that we can put some beehives in our backyard and we can cultivate uh, this relationship with the Lord so that we can receive more joy from God, but it's not something that we can get anywhere other than the Lord. Um, and so as much as our culture tells us bigger and better will make you filled with joy and the newer model or the more and more of the same thing, uh, the reality is scripture tells us it is only in a relationship with God. And so um, it is, uh, it, it can't be acquired, it's a gift. 
So how do we receive that? And so I, I want us to spend the rest of this time going through your notes and just talking about some things that we can do to cultivate the soil of our lives so that we can receive more of this joy from the Lord. And so if you're a note taker, you can follow along. The, the double benefit is, is you'll know when I'm almost done. Um, and uh, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, and some of you are like, oh, it is a Christmas message. He's going to talk about Luke. Yes. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 is, says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Jesus came so that we could have more joy. Jesus came so that you could experience more joy in your life. Uh, in John chapter 15, verses 8 through 11, Jesus says this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And listen to this. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so we, we see kind of the first thing here in this passage, and you want to write it down. It's just this, choose to obey. If you want to have more joy in your life, Jesus says that the key, the first key to having more joy in your life is choose to obey. Uh, Jesus says that if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. And as you remain in my love, so my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. And so we just need to remember that it's when we, uh, when we obey the Lord, we find joy. Um, I had a friend of mine uh, when I went through chaplain school with the Air Force uh, named Mark Grizzard, and Mark and I became pretty good friends. We were both prior enlisted with the Army, um, and we were uh, becoming chaplains in the Air Force, and so as we were going through the school together, we just, we just hit it off. And this, Mark Grizzard was just this really big bull of a guy, and he was a country boy. I mean, he, he used to ride bulls and, and just rodeoed all the time, and, and he was telling me one time that he was at a rodeo, and a friend of his um, it was on the bull before him and was out there riding this bull and the bull threw him off and the bull started chasing him and so he was running for the fence for dear life and, and just and he said later his friend told him and he watched this guy just leap this fence like it was nothing he's like man I couldn't believe how quickly he got over that fence and his friend told him he said, when I was running for that fence, the whole time I was thinking, I can't believe that fence is in my way. And it's, the, you know, like I'm, I'm going to get killed by this bull because this fence is in my way. And he was like, I was so mad at that fence until I got over the fence. And when I got over that fence, I realized that fence was not my enemy, but that fence was my friend. And that fence was to protect me from this raging bull that now was not going to kill me. And I, I have thought a lot about that uh, so many times. Because so many times we think of the, the boundaries that God gives us when God says, hey, I want you to live your life this way. Hey, I, I want you to not do these things, and I want you to do these things. And, and sometimes we feel like, well, you know, 
God's trying to restrict me. God's trying to keep me from enjoying life. But what we need to understand is God is trying to protect us from an enemy that is trying to destroy our lives. And when we stay within the boundaries of his fence, then we're protected from the many things that would come in and bring hurt and destruction and rob us from the kind of joy that God wants us to have. And so the first simple thing is, is if, if we want more joy, we, we just need to obey the things that God tells us to do. And and it won't even always make sense. We'll be like, I want to go right. I, everything makes sense to go right, but God says go left. What do you do? What do you do? You need to go left because the truth is, is when we follow the Lord, we find the kind of joy we're looking for. The, the second thing is this. Just, just choose joy. Just choose it. Um, th- there is there's something about this. It is a gift from the Lord. But there are things that we can do uh, to just be intentional um, and, and be committed to saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to do the kinds of things, and it goes back to the obedience, because Scripture tells us some of these things. I'm going to do the things that God says to do, and I'm going to choose joy. And sometimes, um, at Christmas especially, we start looking for other people to give us joy. I don't know if you've ever done this, but like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm dependent upon this person to give me the gift that I want so that I can be joy, right? I can have joy in my life. And, and I'm, I start to put pressure on other people to give me joy, right? We want the perfect family get together. And if everybody behaves and nobody acts out, then I'll have joy, right? And so all of a sudden I'm, I'm putting my joy on other people, Instead of recognizing that it's, it's my decision whether I'm going to be obedient and whether I'm going to manage my emotions and manage my relationship. And, and, and Christmas is a story of joy, but it's not a story of other people giving us joy. It's a story of Jesus giving us joy. Everywhere, in fact, in Luke chapter 1 and 2, go through and read Luke chapter 1 and 2 and count how many times the word rejoice or joy shows up in Luke chapter 1 and 2. It's over and over and over. And every time Jesus shows up, every time there's an announcement of Jesus, there's an announcement of rejoicing or joy. It's just the central theme of Christmas. And so um, don't put your joy on other people. Don't say, well, if they do that, I'll, I'll have joy. No, like we just get to choose joy. We get to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to find my joy in you no matter what the circumstances are. I'm going to find my joy in you, whatever happens. I, I love this prayer. Dear Lord, today I am doing all right. I've not gossiped. I've not lost my temper. I, I've not been greedy. I, I've not been grumpy or nasty or selfish or self-indulgent. I've not whined or cursed or eaten any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes. And I'm going to need a lot more help after that. Amen. Sometimes we just need to, in the morning, say, Lord, I'm I'm going to choose joy today. No matter matter who cuts me off in traffic, I'm not going to let that rob me of the joy that you want to give me today. I'm not going to let the situations around me rob me of your joy. God, I'm going to choose joy today. And and we get to do that in the morning. Number three is this. um, Just choose to look for the positive just choose to do that. Choose to look for the positive. You can find negative wherever you look. Do you know that? Um, I, I, if, if you want to look for negative, you can find it. Oh my goodness. Um, it's just everywhere. Um, but if you look for the positive, 
It is everywhere as well. And you can choose to look for that. You can choose to be intentional about that. Philippians 4.8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so when you face negative situations, just choose to look for the joy. Choose to focus on the good things in the midst of the negative. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, the end of that verse, we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Did you, did you know you could do that? Because we all have rebellious thoughts. But did you know that you have the power because of the gospel and because of Jesus that you have the power to capture those rebellious thoughts and, and say, no, no, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to make my thoughts focus on the things that God wants me to focus on, that you can actually train your thinking. You, you can train your brain to think on good things that are pure and lovely and admirable and honorable uh, and take responsibility for your emotions. I, th- this is something we, we don't do enough. We, we say, well, they made me this way. No, no, you get to choose your emotions. You, you get to choose, uh, am I going to do the things that God tells me to do today? Am I going to focus on the things? And then you can kind of take it to the next level. So choosing to think on the positive is like baby step, you know, over here. But you can take it a next level, and then you can write this down, and that is choose to say something positive. Because even if you choose to think on things that are positive, we don't often then verbalize the things that we're dwelling on and thinking on. And so we we need to not only think on those things, we need to verbalize them. And we need to be people that use our tongue to build up other people around us. Um, And this is where it gets harder because the reality is, is it's more fun to lob verbal missiles at other people. And it's more fun uh, to social media send out uh, missiles uh, towards people. And instead of being people that give life um, we actually are people that sometimes tear down and, and use our, our tongues to be destructive. Proverbs 16, 24 says this, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to bones. That our, our words can be sweet and, and can, can actually bring healing to bones. Um, and then Psalm 141.3 is a prayer that I need to pray more and maybe others of you need to pray. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Man, this is just, this is the prayer for people like me that have foot and mouth disease. Um, I, I just need to pray this prayer more um, and, and maybe we all need to pray this prayer more. Um, I was thinking this week, um, I didn't share this story in the first service, uh, but I'll share it with you. Um, we were, were bantering about, I'm, I'm on a, a, a text chain with about, actually it's an email chain with about 11 different people in the church and, and we're discussing some things. And as we're discussing some of these things, um, I just had some comments and I was like, hey, you know, we, we need to think about this. We need to think about that. Um, and I was, I was text to, t- I was talking into text while I was driving. And I don't know if you've ever done this. And, and so I'm, I'm doing this and I'm sending this email and I, I end my email. And what I did not realize was at the end of my email, I was picking up Meredith from the pickup line. And I was saying, hey, you need to buckle up uh, because we were about to pull out on the road. And that came over in the email and I hit send. Um, 
And so all these wonderful 11 people, they heard me say all these things and then like, hey, you need to buckle up. And I was like, what, you know, you don't hear tone of voice in an email, you know? And I'm like, what are they thinking? You're like, hey, people, you need to buckle up. You know, like we need to do this right. And I was like, man, this could have been taken in 20 different directions. And I just thought, man, I, I'm an idiot with my words. I'm an idiot with my texts. I'm an idiot with my emails sometimes. And, and sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes we, we just, we say things before we think. And we have to go back and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, will you forgive me? Um, but the reality is for us to be able to just pray this prayer, set a guard over my mouth, set a guard over my mouth, oh, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips so that I would be careful to speak things that would give life and not take away life. Um, how many of us, I, I know I need that, need, need this more in our life. And then the last one is this, choose to be a giver, not a getter. Choose to be a giver, not a getter. Um, when, when you are focusing on giving, what you find is you, you find yourself more thankful for what you have. You find yourself spending time thanking the Lord for his blessings because you've received. Um, and, and you're focusing on how you can give blessings to other people, how you can uh, build up other people, how you can use your words, your time, your energy, your resources to be a blessing to other people. But when you take the posture of a getter, like what am I gonna get? You just, you can't help it. You start to think about what you're not getting. You start, well, it's nice that I got this, but I didn't get this. Well, it's nice that I got that, but I, I wish I would've got that. Or I, you know, it's nice that I got this, but I, I needed more, I should've gotten more. And when you're focusing on what you're getting, you just slip into this posture of life that is such a, a, a poor posture of life that, that really robs us of the kind of joy that God wants to give us. But when we focus on giving, Acts chapter 20, verse 35 actually says this, uh, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I know we see that in scripture, but I, I don't know if we always believe that. I, I don't know if we always believe that it truly is more blessed to give than receive. Because when, when we when we take the posture of a giver, I was sharing this with somebody this week, um, you know, I find in our church, the people that are the most connected, joy-filled, um, fulfilled within our church are people who aren't just receiving and getting, but people who have made the decision, hey, how can I be a blessing to other people? And what can I do to connect with others and share others? And, and they get involved. And those people tend to be the most fulfilled and the most joy-filled and connected and blessed. Um, and, and sometimes people who are, are not stepping in all the way say, well, yeah, it's, it's okay, but you know, um, I just, I, I'm not getting as much as I want to get. And again, it's that, are you taking a posture of being a getter or are you taking a posture of being a giver? And so this is really, it's not just about finances. It's about our time. It's about our, our, our words that we say, the, the energy that we give. Uh, when, when we have time and energy and resources, how do we use those to not just get from others, but to be a blessing to others? And, and when we take that posture, it just changes the way we think, it changes the way we process. And so um, one of the things, as I said at the beginning of the service, that we do every year is we take a Christmas offering. And um, we do that uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, there is something about tangibly saying, I'm gonna include Jesus in my giving. 
Because Jesus said, where your treasure goes, there your heart goes. So if, if you want your heart to chase after Jesus, when we give our treasure, our heart follows. There's just something tangible. There is a, the reason Jesus talked about money so much is because it is interwoven into the fabric of our trust and, who we, and, and how we put our trust and where we put our trust. And you just can't separate money and resources from faith. And when we say we're going to put our faith in Jesus and we're going to trust Jesus to provide everything, there's something about saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my resources because that's a tangible way for us to put our trust in him. And so uh, when we think about the fact that when we give to Jesus, our heart follows after Jesus, um, Jesus also said, when you give to the least of these, you've given unto me. And so at Christmas, we, we find opportunities to give to other people and to be a blessing. And so uh, in just a few moments when we take our Christmas offering, 100% of what we receive is going to be given away to be a blessing to others. Um, and so you just need to know that. Um, we're going to take the first portion and we're going to give it to providing clean water uh, to people in communities where they just don't have it. And, and it's not just about... Um, helping people receive clean water, but it's uh, through the WASH program with Nazarene Compassion and Ministries, we're going we're gonna to give local churches the opportunity to dig wells uh, at the church so that they can not only give the life-giving clean water, but they can give the living water of Jesus. And there's a connection between the life of water and the living water of Jesus. And so churches are able to do that. We're also able to, in places where they can't dig wells, able to give filtration systems, provide sanitary training, uh, to help people uh, move from a place of sickness and disease because there's not clean water to the things that they can do to have clean water and connecting it with the gospel. And so um, one of the things this does is it helps us extend Christmas beyond one day. So we've got young kids. Um, and so this is how it works with little kids. You know this. Um, you've seen little kids. You've seen a movie, if nothing else. But this is how this happens if you've never seen it in person. You, you have all these presents and the kid opens the first present, they go, oh, yes, this is amazing. Throw it over here. Next present, yes, this is amazing. Next present. I mean, so there's like lots of joy for a moment, and then it's pushed over to the side. Um, and then oftentimes the day after Christmas, there's this pile of these plastic toys that have been bought uh, that are not appreciated, not valued, not loved. But what we're saying is, hey, maybe we'll spend a little less on some of these plastic toys so that we can give more for eternal things, so that we can be a blessing to people, so that people can receive clean water. As we train OBGYN doctors in Kenya, one trained OBGYN doctor can, can save thousands of lives of mothers and babies. And it's, I love Tenwick's mission. Tenwick is, we treat Jesus heals. That's their whole mission. And so even as these OBGYN doctors are caring for mothers, um, they're also... Um, giving the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And, and so it's an eternal gift. And so, um, so then uh, the other thing that we're going to do with this is just bless our community and give a, uh, our, our community park. And I don't know if you've looked back here, but there's a lot of movement happening. Bulldozers have been busy all week this week. Um, and we're planning on blessing our community with a park to just say, hey, how can we be a blessing to you? And so um, as we do this, and so here, here's what I want you to know. Um, in a minute, I'm going to pray. Our musicians are going to come up, and, and we'll receive this offering. Uh, but before we do that, if you're not...
prepared. And if you don't know, if you haven't prayed about this, and if this is the first time you're hearing about it and you're a guest and you're like, hey, you know, um, I don't want anybody to feel obligated to give. And you just need to know this. We're going to receive a Christmas offering at all of our Christmas Eve services. So if you, if you say, well, I haven't talked to my spouse about this, don't give in this moment. Hang on and just say, take some time and talk to your spouse. Take some time and pray about it. Take some time and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to give? Our goal is 100% participation, that all of us would give something. But I don't want anybody to give something as a knee-jerk reaction. I really want us all to pray and say, Lord, what, how can I be a part of this? And so um, whether it's right now, whether it's in our Christmas Eve services, uh, just be in prayer about how you can participate in being a blessing to others. Um, and if we have 100% participation, no matter what we receive, we've won. Uh, because God knows exactly the needs, and God will provide just the right amount to meet all the needs uh, according to his riches. And so um, let me pray, and uh, then we'll receive our offering this morning. But would you bow your heads with me today? Father, I thank you for the fact that joy is not determined on what we get and the stuff that we have and the circumstances of our life. Lord, you know, you know the circumstances that are represented in this room. You know that there are painful circumstances that are represented in this room. You know that there are uh, difficult situations. There are hurtful things that have taken place. There are all kinds of financial and relational and uh, different uh, health situations. You know all of the difficulties. God, we thank you that we can find joy in you even in the midst of those trials. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to choose to obey you in a greater way. And for those that are here that um, you're, you're tugging on our heart and, and calling us to obedience in a certain area, Lord, I pray that we would say yes to you no matter how difficult, no matter how painful. Lord, that we would be obedient and we would say yes and do the things that you ask us to do. And Lord, that we would say no to the things that you say, hey, this is not best for your life. This will bring hurt and pain into your life. And will we trust you enough to follow you? Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to recognize our responsibility in our emotions and, and our responsibility in our our thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to, to begin to think on these things that are pure and holy, that we would think on the things that, that would, would be things that would build us up and, and build others up, and that we would use our words to be encouragers, that we would use our words to, to give life instead of tearing down. And Lord, forgive us for the times that we miss that. Forgive us for the times that we fail. Forgive us for the times that we don't guard our lips. Lord, it is so easy for all of us. We're so grateful for your grace. And I pray that you would help us give abundant grace to one another. That we would be quick to ask for forgiveness and we would be quick to grant forgiveness. When we hurt one another, when our words uh, hurt others here in this place and, and others in other places. Lord, that, that we would be a church that would bring healing to bones because of the words that we share. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we live life as givers and not getters. That you would help us even in these moments 
Think about how we can use the blessings that you have given us. We are, we are wealthy beyond measure. The fact that we drove cars here, the fact that we have running water at our fingertips and we can choose hot or cold, the, the fact that we are thinking about where to go out to eat after this service. Lord, we, we are blessed beyond measure compared to the world around us. Help us to use our blessings to be generous to others. Lord, we pray specifically for the, the children who will have clean water and their lives will be saved because of what we give in this Christmas offering. We pray especially for the babies in Kenya that will be saved by a trained OBGYN doctor. And Lord, may, may these that receive clean water and lives that are saved in, in birth situations, Lord, that, that they wouldn't just have their life saved, but somehow the gospel would be communicated and their eternity would be changed because of what we give in these moments and over Christmas Eve. Lord, we thank you that we get to partner with you to make a difference in the lives of others. Help us to be generous in all that we give. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to come. And we're just going to I just remain seated while we receive the offering. And then we'll stand together and we'll sing a closing song. Uh, but what a gift it is to be able to give and be a blessing to others. Revelation chapter 4 says this. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Later in chapter 5, it says this, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed the people of God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on earth. In Advent, we not only celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but we celebrate the fact that Jesus says, one day I will come again and I will set all wrongs right and I will by my might do all things that all tears will be wiped away, that there will be full and complete joy all the time. Um, and so I just encourage you to receive joy, not, not based on your circumstances, not based on what's under the Christmas tree next week, but receive your joy from Christ. And may he fill you with his joy and his love, and may you share it with people around you this week. Go in his peace. You're dismissed. <laughs>